independent variable. Welcome to episode 6 of the Spider Scoop Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Goldberg, with ESPN Richmond, and I'm joined by struggling Charlotte Hornets fan, but more importantly, he writes about the Spiders for A10 Talk, and that's Austin Daisy. It's 10.31 p.m. Tuesday night. The Spiders are fresh off a win against the Davidson Wildcats, in which they trailed for 21 minutes, but really felt like they dominated, especially with that last, you know, 10-minute stretch they win 80 to 63, secure the double buy. Austin, what's your instant reaction? Man, uh, I'm not going to lie. If I tell you I wasn't nervous throughout the whole first half and halfway through the second half, I wouldn't be being honest, but I was legitimately nervous for 30 minutes of this mm-hmm. game. So, you know, this win feels much bigger than a win against Davidson should feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, no, I'm just really really happy the bubble has not bursted yet does that's a perfect description because doesn't everything about davidson just feel bigger than it should i feel like davidson yeah, just like, been whether it's it... like we should have been a win like we would have had against like lasalle or somebody it's not an insult to davidson it's no. just how good i think we are so yeah i just didn't expect this game to be that close yeah definitely um especially i don't know i certainly feel like ken palm has kind of pumped their tires for just blowing out bad teams they haven't really beat anyone good um you and i talked a little bit about John Rothstein tweeted out before the Dayton-Davidson game, you know, tonight's game to watch in the country is Davidson at Dayton. And I think I said to you, I was like, I was milliseconds away from quote tweeting that and being like, <laughs> this game will be a blowout. Dayton is going to blow out Davidson. Yeah. And I held back because shout out all the VCU fans who roasted me after I said Richmond plus nine a lock. Um, deservedly got lit up for that. I appreciate the gifts, actually. Thought they were pretty funny. So I held back. I kind of wish I didn't. I should have just stuck with my guns. Um, but yeah, I guess this was the re- somewhat of a result I expected. I think I said actually on the pregame show, I said to our prediction, I think I said 78-68. So 78, Richmond scored 80, so that was pretty close. Davidson actually scored a little bit less. Um, but yeah, this was certainly a scary game. I think Bob McKillop said it best um, after uh, in the in the postgame press conference where even though this outcome is certainly more of a blowout than the first meeting was, he said that he felt like the last game was close for 40 minutes. Um, or excuse excuse me, that Richmond controlled the game for 40 minutes, even though they only won by six. Because I think they were actually leading by more, and it kind of creeped up at the end. Whereas this one, like we said, the Davidson actually trailed for almost, or led for almost 22 minutes in this game. Richmond only led for 13:44. it says here. Um, and I think the big key, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious, it was Nick Sherrod coming alive. You, you know, you and I have talked about on this podcast over and over how Nick Sherrod is not the most important player. He's not the best player, but he he's a guy that just has his on or off switch. And when his switch is on, he is unbelievable, and this team is unbelievable. And when the switch is off, they, I mean, they just struggle. And shout out Andrew Wallace, who tweeted this at me. So don't, don't quote me on the stat. This is Andrew Wallace's tweet. But I'm pretty sure that he said the Spiders are 10-0, I believe, when Nick hits three three-pointers or more in a game, courtesy of Andrew Wallace. But regardless whether that's perfectly accurate or not, there's been a very clear trend that when Nick is on, this team is on. Yeah, no, I agree completely. He, um, We've often talked about, too, how his first shot seems to really influence yep. how his game is going to go. So I was worried he uh, mm-hmm. missed his first one in the first half, and I was like, uh-oh, I hope we don't have another... Nick Sherrod egg, mm-hmm. uh, late in egg game. But um, 
no, we didn't hit a three until the second half. So, yep. I mean, it was it was something we're not used to. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen Richmond not shoot well, especially on the road, but to not hit a three in the first half. They only took four, though. So, yeah. that's like um, they were talking post-game. Um, Sherrod, so that's just kind of how the game played itself out. Yeah. They, weren't, they weren't forcing threes. Uh-huh. They weren't um, doing that. And they did a good job of going um, – Grant was strong early on, mm-hmm. uh, but he picked up, I think, two fouls relatively early. Yeah. So he sat a little bit. But, no, he was a force down low. And, um, yeah, no, Nick Sherrod was 100% the difference maker tonight. Yeah, I he, he certainly, you know, when he when he hit that three, turned it on, he ended up hitting, I think after he hit that first three, he hit about four threes over the next, you know, four or five minutes. Um, he had them just absolutely running. Um, but I think I think you made a really good point in terms of in that first half, the 0-4 from three, where they didn't hit any, but they didn't take a lot. And they, because, as Nick said, they weren't they were letting it come to them. They weren't forcing it. I think that Blake Francis quietly had one of his best games tonight. Um, and he is obviously we've grown accustomed to him being a huge volume guy. He's an incredible scorer. He's super fun to watch. He's probably got one of the prettiest jump shots. But goddamn, can he be freaking frustrating at times with the shots he takes. And tonight, I talked about it with uh, Mitchell on the pregame show. I said that, you know, Nick and Gilly were about, they were 8 of 17 from 3 the first time these two teams met. Blake did not play in that game. So what I said is, I was like, Blake needs to have a good game. But he's going to be going toe-to-toe with Kellen Grady. We know that he was going to be matched up with him defensively a lot. Kellen's a guy that likes to shoot the deep ball and take tough shots too. And I could kind of have seen before the game Blake kind of falling in this trap where he's a high-energy guy, he's an emotional player. And I could have kind of seen him trying to go toe-to-toe, shot-for-shot with Grady. And I want to give him credit, he didn't do it. He didn't even take a three in the first half. He finished the game two of three from deep. That's perfect. Like, that's what I want to see. Yeah. And he scored 18 points. That's probably the most uh, – he's still 6 of 13 from the field, but, I mean, 2 of 3 from deep, that's got to be the most efficient 18 points he scored all year. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And his 6 of 13, too, we um we were kind of talking about there were a lot of plays where it seemed like, especially in transition, where he had a pass, but he decided to take it himself. Yep. So – that six of thirteen really could have been a lot better if yeah. he makes the plays that he normally does. But he didn't seem to be his pass first tonight. I mean, he had eighteen points, and only two assists. But yeah. um, it seemed like he forced um, some tough layups when he had two or three guys um, collapsing on him. But besides that, no, he he has the most quiet, statistically good games that mm-hmm. I've seen out of a guy in quite some time. Like I'll look down at the box score, like he already has fifteen, like. He scores, and it's just—it's like we're accustomed to it, and mm-hmm. we don't really put too much into it. It's like, dang, Blake Francis already has 15 points, and yep, yeah, we talked about how you've um, said he's a volume shooter, and yeah, seeing him go two of three from deep is a good sign instead uh-huh. of going two of. 10 2 of 11 something mm-hmm. crazy like that so yeah he was super efficient tonight yeah and I think like you said where he certainly there were a bunch especially in trans I think particularly in transition he kind of gets yeah. you know he kind of goes tunnel vision he'll put his head down um and there were a couple times but you know I'll still take those over the force threes because at least you know he got bailed out a couple times with a couple fouls um but hey when there's only a couple frustrating force shots from Blake that's certainly a lot better than what we're used to where he takes a billion 
Um, but either way, I think that was huge. I think just overall, the fact that we're just listing off guys after guys having good games, like this is the second game in a row. They've had four guys scoring double figures. It would be five if Jacob Gilliard, he had nine points. So he was right there. Um, he didn't have a great shooting game. Um, and honestly, if you take away that meaningless dagger three at the end, he scores six points on two, two of eight shooting from the field. But I still thought, I mean, this guy looked like Steve Nash tonight. He had just, I, I think it was on back-to-back possessions where he just had ridiculous dimes. He had that top of the key, no look, just flicks it into Nate down low for two. He uh, had the dribble drive penetration where he got Drew the help defender and threw it behind his head to Matt Grace. Um, eight, eight, eight assists. I mean, we've said it over and over again. And I I am, like I, I said on the last podcast, I think he's been getting a pass for playing, you know, I don't want to say subpar, but below his standards mm-hmm. on offense. But damn, can he just get his team going even when he's not scoring? Yeah, no, he's somebody that he obviously doesn't have to light up the um, stat sheet, especially, like you said, when we have four guys in double figures. Mm-hmm. So I think a couple episodes ago we actually touched on um, the transition of having Francis back in the lineup. And we saw Gilliard scoring in bunches, but – I feel like he felt he had to take over that role without Francis. So once mm. Francis came back, Gilliard's played. It almost seems like more of a relaxed game. But mm. he, he has not been shooting well as of late. But he's not a guy that has to shoot well. If he yeah. can, if he can contribute, like you said, eight assists and get us a couple steals, he mm. he's done his job and he's played well. And that's another reason why Nick, you know, turning that switch on is so big because of you know we've seen Gilly struggle. So when he's not hitting the threes and then if Nick is just, you know, out of the game and a non-factor, which we've seen him go at times. And then, you know, sometimes that will happen. And then Blake feels like because of that, he needs to take, you know, be hero ball and take over. He starts taking these wild, forcing these ridiculous shots, Um, which again, just all goes back to it's how this team can just, it only takes one guy to turn on and they're all clicking. Um, And they kind of, in the press game, they talked about that too with Mooney a little bit, how, you know, these guys just really feed off of each other so much. And I think that the more that each one of them has success, it just, it's contagious. Um, oh, and, yeah. no, it and, just, just speaks on this team's experience too. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about how, I, I want to look at this game defensively a little bit. I was really impressed with the way that Grant, first of all, I thought Grant played really well on Luca, And I actually thought Luca on the other end gave him some trouble um, defensively. And I thought Grant worked pretty well out of it. But really, I mean, this this was because of the threes and because of Nick. This isn't a game that you look back and you're like, wow, this Richmond really dominated, you know, down low, and they they didn't. But 36 rebounds for them, 25 rebounds for Davidson. They outscored him by four in the paint, and it, it just feels like even though they weren't necessarily pounding the ball down low, that you know they went 18 of 22 from the free throw line, so they were getting to the free throw line. Um, as we said, out-rebounded him, outscored him in the paint. That's now four out of five games in a row. Davidson's been outscored in the paint. And, and as McKillop said at the end of the game, you know, everything just really flowed out of there, flowed through uh, Grant. You know, even though he only had three assists, there were just so many where he had those hockey assists where even if he's not getting doubled out of the post, he's finding the weak side pass, who's then swinging it to the corner and hitting threes. And I just thought, I just thought they played really well in the interior, even if they weren't lighting it up letting up the stat sheet in that area yeah no richmond they're they're such an interesting team where they have their five starters but it seems like none of them have to always light up the stat sheet yep. especially a guy like grant the offense runs through him every single play on friday night i want to pay close attention to see 
how many possessions does he actually not touch the ball? Mm-hmm. I doubt it's very many, if any. So the offense runs through him. So yeah, if he can contribute 15 points and like I said, three assists, but mm-hmm. um, his first pass just gets the ball rolling and he doesn't have to have a huge night um, and points. But um, the weirdest thing you pointed out to me, I didn't even realize it, but he had zero rebounds in this game. Absurd. Absurd. He's, what is he, 6'10", 255? 6'10", yeah, and didn't get a rebound. It was just, it almost looked like a typo when I looked at it. Yeah. But now that I look back, I've, he, he didn't get one. And that's just, that's got to be the first time in his career I would yeah. have to. And and that's yeah. not just us hyping him up. I mean, McKillop came into the post-game press conference, and when we said, you know, what changed in the second half, he was like, or what was different from the last time they played, he said, I thought Grant, everything, he literally said in quotes, Grant mm-hmm. Golden was sensational. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when we look at this game, well, first of all, I think that what we can't miss is this team did not get out to a hot start at all. And we've, it's been a recurring issue where hot starts have been huge for them. Like you touched on with Nick, his first shot for him mm-hmm. is so important. And when he, he missed his first shot, you know, we were a little bit concerned and they went down, they're about down 19 to nine. And from there they went on a 10 0 run. That's when they really got back into it in that first half. Um, I, I think it just really speaks on the composure and the maturity and just how big having a veteran team is this year. Because we've seen so many times they've gone, you know, they've just been down for the count when they go down early. Um, and that's really carried over, especially late in games when they've trailed late. I wrote a little bit about it, but when they've trailed with five minutes left in conference play, they're yet to win a game. And But really, I think that all starts in the beginning. And um, I thought Nick made a really good point how, you know, even though, like you said, they were 0-4 from three at the half, um, after that hot start, like he said, you know, they, the reason they were up four at the half is there was a, you know, first of all, there was a buzzer beater three by Carter Collins. So really they were down one at the half when you really think about it. And he's like, you know what? We honestly just felt like we gave up a lot of points at the beginning. And then from there, we really just played our game and controlled it. And that if we kept going, we were going to go up um, in the second half. And a lot of guys will say that. And it's just kind of hindsight. And they're just saying that based on the result. But it really did, like, at the end of that half, they were down four, and they still didn't feel like, oh, shit, like, we're going to lose to Davidson. Yeah, you no, know? I agree completely. But, um, yeah, any game you can score 50 points in the second half, mm-hmm. chances are chances are pretty high you're going to win. Yep. But, um, yeah, no, it's just, it's like the light bulb went off above Nick's head and said, it's time to take over. So, could Duquesne on Friday finally be the game where he shoots like this on the road? I mean, I, I, I hope so. Again, it, you know, it's impossible to predict because it's just it's it's been such a game by game basis. I'm I'm leaning on the positive side just because, you know, in that Bonaventure loss, they actually didn't shoot that poorly from deep. So I'm hoping, you know, they can carry that momentum from that game, uh, you know, from tonight's game, uh, hopefully into that one. Um, this this game against Duquesne certainly scares me, though. You know, uh, as we've kind of said, I think that. You know, Slew obviously gave them the most trouble at home this year. That was probably the worst game they played in conference. Um, and if I was going to pick one other team in the A-10 that plays the most similar style of basketball to St. Louis, I would probably say Duquesne. Um, so that game certainly scares me a little bit. Um, but, yeah, they just got to play their game, um, just work, run everything through Grant. Um, but, yeah, you just – it's just so – this team just beats themselves, man. Like, we just see nights like tonight – I don't know what it is with Nick. Like, there's no, there's no rhyme, there's no reason, there's no science to it. 
Um, but the biggest thing is that when he's on, the whole team is on, and he's going to be. The, I think he's going to be the X factor on Friday night, and I really think that he's the X factor in any game that's not in the Robin Center. Yeah, no, I agree completely. He, I mean, it truly is unreal how he's either five of seven for deep or zero of eight. Like there, there's no in between. It's it really is bizarre. Yeah. Um, so when we look at this, you know, we, we're looking on to Duquesne. Um, and, the, and the reason we look at that game really is because, you know, as good of a win as this is, you know, they're probably still on the first four out, I would say. I don't think this Davidson win pushes their resume over the edge quite yet, no. um, even it, even with how much the national media has kind of hyped up Davidson. Um, so what are they, you know, how do you feel about the at-large chances? And do, is there any way you see this team getting in the tournament if they lose? at Duquesne without a if without they, winning the if, conference tournament if they lose at Duquesne uh I really don't think it's gonna happen mm-hmm. they're if they lose on Friday I think their only way in is is to win um in Brooklyn on Sunday or if they if they face off against Dayton in the final and make it super competitive I mean five point loss it's gotta be just a good game but no i think a loss to duquesne completely pops richmond's bubble yeah i think they've got to win at duquesne you have to at least make it to the semifinals in the a10 tournament you really want to get to that finals game and it's probably going to be very doable again you know is if they can avoid drawing slew in this conference tournament somehow you know there there's no one that i don't that you don't feel comfortable beating besides dayton and, and if you get to the finals against Dayton, you know, you can lose that game by 20. They're still probably going to get in the tournament. Um, but, I, yeah, I think I, I was really um, happy with, you know, I mean, obviously this is what any coach is going to give. But, you know, Coach Chris Mooney said after the game, he's like, at large bracketology, it all doesn't matter. You know, the saying is you punch your ticket and you can only punch your ticket on Sunday in Brooklyn. And that's yeah, the, and, and that's what that's what they should all be focusing on because – if, if you want to go to the tournament, you need to feel confident that you're the best team on the floor at all times, even if that means you're going against a top-five team in Dayton. And, I mean, th- this team, you know, we've seen Dayton, you know, at times let their foot off the gas. Uh, you know, as, as you and I have kind of talked about, if they really feel like they've secured that number two or even a number one seed um, in the NCAA tournament, you know, there's no reason why, you know, if a guy like Obi's kind of banged up, maybe he goes a little bit lighter. Um, you know, we've, I mean, what is it? It's been five straight years that the A-10 has had a non-one seed, you know, win the tournament. Obviously, Dayton is dominant, but, you know, based on the trends, they say it would happen again this year. Um, This has a dominant force, but, you know, it's certainly possible. Yeah, no, for sure. But I'm so much more confident now knowing that this team secured the double bye. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's anything more important than not having a play until Friday. And like Mooney said post-game, they're used to preparing for the A-10 tournament on Monday playing in that Wednesday game. So giving them that whole week off before um, actually playing, I think that's going to be huge. Mm. And I'm just hoping we get a good draw because I really do think this team can make damage and make some noise and potentially make it to Sunday in Brooklyn. Yeah, and I mean, I think obviously the even bigger storyline regarding the double buys, of course, that it gives me time to go back to Boston on Tuesday and go see a doctor about getting knee surgery. So shout out Spiders for letting me get to Brooklyn and not have to be there until Friday. Uh, you guys are the goats. Um, I really did not want to go to Wednesday night pillow fight. Forget that. I don't even have to be there till Friday. So shout out to you boys, Nick. I'm gonna be hitting you up for some rehab advice on the ACL. Um, he came back from it pretty okay. I don't see why I can't. 
Um, yeah, I think your blogging might take it next level after the surgery. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be so you know, my upper body is gonna be the only thing I can work out. So I'm gonna have fingers and thumbs of steel. I'm gonna be typing away. Um, but so I think I, getting serious though, I think you made a really good point um, with the double buy and in, in that, you know, not having to prepare on Monday. I think the I think the unsung not the unsung hero, but but the story no one's gonna touch on this year has been rest. We look at tonight, Grant Golden. 22:41 minutes of play. Um, Blake Francis 30 minutes. Nick was under 30 minutes. Jacob played 39, but he does it every night. But Grant getting 22 minutes. Last time out against UMass, Grant played 21 minutes. Uh, Nate only played 24 in that game. Gilly played 33. Nick only played 19 in that game. This team, I mean, down the stretch, just these minutes have been so crucial. And you know, you can attribute that to the bench. Their bench isn't stellar this year, but compared to what it was last year, they had three guys tonight come off the bench and play over 10 minutes a game. Um, You know, there have certainly been issues with bench production, but, I mean, this team is just going to be so fresh going to Brooklyn, and that's just so huge. Um, Obviously, you know, Chris talked about it, but not having to play on that Wednesday night game is just absolutely massive, Um, and this team is just so much deeper than it was last year. Oh, no, definitely, especially once conference tournament play rolls around. I mean, this team could potentially play Friday night, Saturday, Sunday at one o'clock. So mm-hmm. having these guys rested for a back to back to back is super important. Um, especially a guy like Grant who got banked up earlier in the year. So mm-hmm. um, obviously he seems a hundred percent, but it will never hurt to stay off um, as much as you can and get some rest. But mm-hmm. um, you said Nate K. We hadn't talked about him, about him yet, but Perfect. he had a he had a solid game tonight. Yep. In my opinion. Yeah, he kind of he's kind of shut us up from the last podcast. Um, you yeah. and I, you know, talked about. I don't I don't think either one of us, you know, you know, completely called for Mooney to start Tyler like a hundred percent over Nate. But we were certainly, you know, we certainly said, you know, he's playing as well as Nate was on a pretty consistent basis. Nate had not had his best game recently, um, and Nate comes out, you know, eleven points, three of seven from the field is all right. Five of six from the free throw line, he's getting to the line eight rebounds i thought he played phenomenal defense um and i think he's done a really good job at recognizing mismatches particularly um davidson you know nelson bochietum got his just his fifth start of the season tonight um he and and he has to to give him credit he's actually been a really good defender for the wildcats he actually leads them in defensive rating so he's not a bad defender but still you know he's only started five games so he's obviously played a lot less minutes than some of the other guys like tonight's starter but he only played 19 minutes um, I thought Nate did a really good job just recognizing that mismatch. Um, even if he is a good defender, he's a less experienced player. Um, and I thought Nate just really attacked those well. Um, his rebounding this year has just been so improved. I was looking at the numbers earlier. His defensing, defensive rebounding percentage in conference play has gone up 7% from last year to this year. And that's just been massive for a team that was literally bottom five in the entire country. That's over 340, 30-something teams in all of Division 350-something, whatever it is in Division One bottom five i mean he's just been leaps and bounds improved for them this year even though his scoring numbers have dipped a little bit yeah no the rebounding and then uh same thing with the free throws he's yep. he's completely just upped his game and it makes me even more excited obviously this year has been a big year but for next year which is you know considered the year so mm-hmm. no his his play has been great as of late we you know we've been kind of hard on him but no he yeah, like you said, he shut us up tonight. He had an all-around solid game, and he gets up there for those rebounds, man. I mean, yep. he's, 
he's sneaky athletic. He's not somebody that many people will look at and be like, oh, this guy's probably going to be pretty athletic. Um, but no, he, he's got some bounce. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think speaking of Nate and his free throw improvement, like we said, 8 of 22 at the free throw line tonight. Um, I think that the, I think this team really needs to stress getting to the free throw line more. I think they did a good job of it tonight, and I think that's why they played so well and won. Um, but just like looking at the numbers, when you think of like when you think of guys on this team that are your primary scorers, let's say you think of you know Grant, Jacob, Blake, and then Nick, and then probably Nate, right? So Nate's probably you know he's a good scorer, but he's probably that fifth guy you're thinking of. And, and you, when you look at guys, especially a guy like Gilliard, where he's such a quick guy, I've said it over and over again that I really want him to attack the lane more, but their leaders in free throw rate, so free throw attempts basically basically per field goal attempt, I'm not going to count Sal. Sal doesn't play enough minutes because he, he leads them in the stat. So I'm going to start Andre is first with a 471. This is in conference play. Um, then Nate with a 465 free throw rate. Then Tyler. Then Jacob. Then Jake Wojcik at 32.6. Grant Golden has a below 30 free throw rate. I don't, what I was really shocked by, Blake Francis having a 27% free throw rate was shocking to me because you just think of him as such a tough player, a guy that draws contact. You know, maybe that's just in my head because he just draws contact in other ways. Like he took a couple charge or a charge tonight. Um, But it just feels like he's taking so many of these tough shots. And I almost wonder if that kind of speaks to the fact that maybe he is getting kind of out of control at times. The fact that he's drawing so much contact and not getting in the free throw line that much. But, you know, for a team like we've talked about, especially a team that has had inconsistency shooting on the road, shooting at neutral sites, and for as good as this team has played, other than a loss at St. Bonaventure, so you can even win the game, they don't have a huge... Uh, resume this year of them shooting well outside the Robin Center. It goes back to the Legends Classic. It goes back to pretty much every road game besides Davidson and St. Bonaventure this year. It goes back to last year in the Barclays Center. So they've now, they've even, they've played in the Barclays Center once this year and last year. Shot pretty terribly in both of them. Like we've touched on before how the Wisconsin win, they still didn't shoot well from deep. So when the shots aren't falling, you know the free throws are going to go in. And when this team goes 18 of 22 at the free throw line, you know, that's that's hard to stop. And you know you're going to knock down those free throws. They need to attack the basket. That needs to be more of an emphasis, especially going into the postseason, in my opinion. Oh, no, I agree completely. And there's really not a guy on this team that can't shoot free throws. I mean, anybody that gets to the line, I really have faith they'll hit all two. So, yep. no, it's time to um, – if the threes aren't falling like they were earlier, I mean, just – pound the ball inside and like yeah. I said just get to the line it's I mean it's just common basketball but um no overall this box score really doesn't do this game justice mm-hmm. but hopefully if the committee is looking at it like oh Richmond blew out Davidson by 17 but um I almost feel like it's a not a good thing but good to prepare them to have a game like this, especially at home where they've been really comfortable lately, yep. to have a game to kind of take them out of their comfort zone right before heading to Duquesne and mm-hmm. then, of course, heading to the A-10 tournament. So it kind of, I mean, I can't say what it does to them. I don't know. But like a, maybe like a wake-up call, like, oh, okay, we, we are beatable. We can be exposed yep. in certain aspects of the game. So I really think this, this was important to have a close game until about the five minute mark so yeah hopefully that'll better prepare them for duquesne and the a10 tournament yeah 
so as we approach the postseason now, um, I want to look a little bit at the rotations. So, you know, the Tyler Burton numbers have kind of fluctuated, played 13 minutes tonight. You know, we've seen him, for the most part, hover between 12 to 20 minutes, kind of depending on the flow of the games. Um, I didn't hate that tonight. He only played 13 minutes. Um, I didn't think he played poorly. He grabbed five rebounds in 13 minutes. But, you know, when Nate was out there, you know, Nate was plus 15 tonight. Um you know, plus minus. He was, I thought he, we both said we thought he had a really good game. So that didn't bother me. So when you look at this team, you know, Matt Grace played 10, 10 38 tonight. And I thought he was terrible. He missed that, uh, botched that wide open layup that freaking, I, I, I don't even have an, I have zero fibers in my ACL on my right knee. And I am fully confident I could have hit that layup. And I am 5'10, so maybe it would have been a little more contested, but, you know, we'll worry about that later. Um, but either way, so tonight, Matt Grace, 10 minutes off the bench. Tyler, 13 minutes off the bench. Andre played just under six minutes. Wojcik gave him 14, and Sal gave him two. How deep do you see Mooney going into his bench once we get to Brooklyn and potentially dancing? Um, I feel like that's something he's got to be more on the careful side of because there uh, are moments where I feel like Matt Grace is out there for – longer periods of time than yes. he needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Grant only played 22 minutes. I get that, you know, we didn't necessarily have to have him out there in the um, late going once it mm-hmm. turned into a blowout. But when we're down by 10, 10 plus, anything around that, the, with the offense running through Grant, we really need him on the floor. So it's really important for Grant down the stretch to – stay out of foul trouble because he picked up two I don't know how quickly but it was in the first half where he had two I think it was before the 10 minute mark so yeah that that forced him to sit but there's other times in the game where I'm just like why is Grant on the bench this long yep um and the same thing like just Matt Grace uh, I don't know would you rather Matt get those minutes or Sal honestly I'd rather him be split evenly I mean Matt playing over 10 minutes seems like a lot yeah uh, and Sal, I mean, playing two minutes and 18 seconds a game isn't going to do anything for him. If mm-hmm. you can give him each five minutes, that'll at least give Sal some experience and playing time. Um, yeah. But no, I really think we need to see Grant on the floor more. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 100% healthy, so we um, what, it, what we think. But um, as we get deeper, the rotations, I can see him going as deep as he has been. I don't think he's going to try to try to reinvent the wheel and change something that's it's not broke i mean the team's 23 and 7 so mm-hmm. i don't see anything drastic happening before brooklyn but i think it's important to have these guys playing now so he can see if in case we yeah. have to go really deep in brooklyn um something as simple as foul trouble or god forbid an injury of sorts yeah i've in terms of the sal versus matt thing you know i've kind of wavered back and forth um part of it is the way i think about it is that so Sal, when, when you look at the numbers um, in conference play, Sal is third on the second on the team. Excuse me, second in defensive rating, just behind Tyler with an eighty-eight point nine. Him and Tyler are the only ones who are below ninety defensive rating. So you know, obviously, I think I think Sal is kind of his own biggest enemy. I think that he gets in foul trouble. He, get, he fouls a lot. Um, actually, let me see the per forty per forty minutes. Okay, <laughs> in conference play per forty minutes, Sal is fouling eleven point four times. So it's gonna be really hard to get on the floor when you're doing that. But yeah, I mean, when you, when you, yeah, like, yeah, that that was ridiculous. Um, but then at this on on the same end, so eighty eight point nine defensive rating, second on the team. 
but then his offensive rating is far and away the worst at 72.4. So to put that into context, let's compare Matt's numbers. Matt gives you a 90.7 offensive rating. Obviously a huge bump from Sal, but at the same time, Matt's 90.7 is trailing pretty much all other significant players and starters by between about 15 and 20 points. So yeah, it's a huge bump from Sal, but it's still bad relative to the rest of the team. So at that point, you're not asking either of those players to really give you that much anyways on the offensive end. So why not just give Sal those minutes, let him go out, let him be that defensive specialist. And that's essentially what Tyler was for a good amount of the non-conference play where he was going out and just giving you energy and just giving you defense, getting blocks, rebounds. Um, in terms of the getting them out there before the playoffs, I, I agree that it would have been nice over the past like three games or so to try to split those minutes and see. I think we're a little bit past the point of no return now because, you know, as we yeah. said, this Duquesne game is a must-win game um, for both, I mean, somewhat for seeding, but certainly for the NCAA tournament. Um, so at this point, I could even see him shrinking rotations, not even just in the postseason, but on Friday night. Um, so so when you when we look at the postseason rotations, whether it's in the NBA or college, but especially in the NBA, you know we'll see guys, you know, go coaches go with even a seven, even sometimes six man rotations, but often even seven eight. Um, do you think that you know are Sal and Matt even going to get any of those minutes in the postseason? Um, you know, Andre only played six tonight, but he typically plays more, so I actually see his going up. Um, Woj played 14 tonight. That's a guy we've seen have 14-minute games and then play like three the next. Um, so how deep do you see him consistently going, you think, and whether it's in uh, Brooklyn well, or March? Well, first, you threw me off by saying NBA playoffs. I'm a Hornets fan, so I don't, <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know how that Y'all don't works. do playoffs down there, do you? Yeah, no, I haven't really seen that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, Jake is a, Jake's a good example of where he played 14 and a half minutes tonight, and like mm. you said, we can see him play maybe, maybe three. Yeah. So, I mean, this will be, or what? This will be our thirty-first game of the season. So, mm-hmm. I think the tinkering with rotations and everything should be finished by now. Uh-huh. So, I don't want to see anything like super drastic. I mean, if a team's won twenty-three games, they've they've done something right. They've been yep. coached right. So, I'm just hoping the coaching staff doesn't try to get in their own head and outcoach themselves yep. by trying to do something. Like, obviously, I said. Oh yeah, y'all should split Matt Grace's and Sal's minutes. Yeah. I mean, I'm just sitting over here talking to a microphone. I mean, they they're there at practice. They know what these guys are doing. So mm-hmm. I hope it's been working. I just hope nothing um, super drastic happens to cause uh, a heartbreak into a great season. Yep. All right. So we're about 34 minutes in. I figured we might as well get get close to wrap it up here. Um, yeah, as we said, we're free balling this right now. We're fresh off the Davidson game, so. I didn't prep any over-unders, but I actually got one off the top of the head. So to start it off, you know, I'm going to be staying for the first couple days that we get to New York. I will be in Westchester County. Um, shout out KG Made It one on Instagram. My roommate last year, Kyle Gardner, staying out with him. Um, there was just a report that in New Rochelle, a town in Westchester County where I will be staying, a man tested positive for coronavirus. The A10, or the yeah, the A10 conference said that i think what they say they're changing the post-game handshakes to to like forearm bumps or something whatever the hell that's gonna do so my over under for you austin four and a half people at the a10 tournament contract coronavirus 
Oh, dang, that's, that's scary. Um, that really puts it in perspective as mm-hmm. what would be there. It's not something I've tried to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, for the sake of good karma, I'm just going to say under. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Lysol, they're having a field day with all this. So oh, I bet. Hopefully, I'll just Lysol up and keep washing hands and forearm bump everybody I see because obviously that's <laughs> the prevention to coronavirus so if we just give each other a forearm bump instead of shaking hands we'll we'll all be good so no, I'm gonna go under yeah also shout out all the white guys um at the tournament because this is gonna solve forever the dilemma of the dap versus the handshake so <laughs> I think everyone's just gonna be forearm bumping so shout out for that that's just gonna be pretty clarified all weekend so that'll be big um I guess you know just going off my head last over under over under Ten and a half Coronas drank in New York. Uh, well, for 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 who who are we speaking here? I mean, I, I I'm twenty, you know, so I follow the law. I would oh, never okay. I would never touch okay. alcohol. Well, me, no. I <laughs> growing up in Central Virginia and all the good breweries around here, I stay away from stuff such as Corona. I'm mm. I guess I'm kind of what you can call a beer snob. Mm-hmm. I'm big IPA guy, yep. like stouts. So no, that's way under for the Coronas, for sure. But I Amazon's a good brewery as well up there. Yeah, definitely. And of course, as I said, I will be abstaining because I do, you know, I'm a law-abiding citizen, as one does. All right, Austin, it's 11.08 Tuesday night. I'm about to hit the hay slash probably watch Netflix for two hours and fall asleep (laughs) with my laptop open. Um, Good old college life. Yes, sir. Uh, So that's it from us, episode six in the books. Um, Probably going to be recording... Uh, probably Saturday or Sunday. Uh, maybe maybe we'll wait till the Saturday games are played. We'll see. But either way, we should get another episode out this weekend. Uh, preview the A10 tournament. Big week coming up. Austin, it's been a pleasure, my man. And I will see you in New York. Yeah, man, for sure. Just make sure to do forearm bumps. Forearm bumps and Purell all week. All week. All right. We'll see y'all this weekend. Thanks for listening. On me. I got hit the lottery. The lottery. Those a trip. Watch on how they follow me. Honey's blue. Yeah, I got them all on me. Go, 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 let's go. Got a shoe. Yeah, I keep a style on me. Style on me. Pretty freeze. Make them bitches pile on me. I swear. Rap party. I got 30 thou on me right now. Go, 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 let's go. To my cake. All these bitches wanna piece. Ten rats, I threw ten on top my teeth. Diamond choke, VVS, I can't breathe. Go, 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 let's go. Saint Laurent, Mamiere, Givenchy, Gucci goggles, Gucci buckle, Gucci skis. You gon' cut that hoe, we know that hoe free. Go, 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 let's go. Cash on me, I got hit the lottery. The lottery, hoes a trip, watch on how they follow me. Wait. Honey's blue, yeah, I got them all on me. Go, 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 let's go. Got a shoe, yeah, I keep a style on me. Style on me. Pretty freeze, make them bitches pile on me. I swear, rap party, I got 30 thou on me right now. Go, 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 let's go. I know shooters, NDC, Bradley Bill. Shout it thick, she said I don't miss no meals. 
but it broke. You know you can't front the bill. Go, 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 let's go. Shrimp and lobster, his and hers, it's a date. He gon' eat, she gon' eat, it's a plate. It's a plate. Make them rats, spin them rats, give or take, give or take. Go, 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 let's go. Cash on me, like I hit the lottery. The lottery. Those a trip, watch on how they follow me. Wait, Honey's blue, yeah, I got them all on me. Go, 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 let's go. Let's go. Got a shoe, yeah, I keep a style on me. Style on me. Pretty freaks, make them bitches pile on me. I swear, rap party, I got 30 thou on me right now. Go, 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 let's go. Wait, 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 wait.